Welcome to the Radical Self-Belief Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Fogdenmore, the Mojo Maker, and this is your ultimate destination for candid, essential, inspiring advice to get you in the driver's seat of life. Discover exclusive leadership insights, plus proven practical tools and techniques to activate true conscious decision-making for extraordinary results. Reignite your vision, harness effortless energy as we guide you to truly be the CEO of your life as well as your business for absolute sustainable success. So hi guys, I'm Nikki Fogdemore, the host of Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast and the show. This is going to be episode 164, season four. I cannot believe it. I knew that I spoke a lot for a reason as a kid, but today I'm exceptionally excited. I was reading my guest bio flipping through his new book. And then I had to just go and take a walk outside and go, holy chopsticks. This is an extraordinary human that not only displays the true sense of radical self-belief, but ripples that out through everything he does. So I'm really excited. If you haven't got your pen and paper, if you don't have your headphones in, if you're not sitting somewhere quiet, please go grab it. You can come back at any time. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. But I want to introduce speaker, best-selling author, ultra marathon endurance athlete and one of time's most 100th most influential people in the world, uh, Dean Canassis. So Dean, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure and an honor to be talking with you. Thanks for having me on. And, and I lo- if you're listening to this and you can't see Dean's background, he is uh, uh, regaled by all his medals uh, and trophies behind him. So I'll be sure to take a screenshot uh, of that and make sure that we can you know, share all the winnings from a life that you have designed with passion and purpose. So what I will do, Dean, is I always love as a guest that you can kind of give your little personal insight to to your journey and what you do, just like we'd meet in an elevator, because I think that anyone listening to this, sometimes when we read bios out, for example, um, you're a three-time recipient of the Endurance Athlete Year of the Award. You've been a US athlete ambassador. You've carried the Olympic flame. You are men's fitness as one as the all-time fittest men on the planet. You know, that's pretty incredible. And also a superhuman. So I think, you know, 50 consecutive state you ran and 50 consecutive days. That's 350 miles and kilometers. That's just crazy. So to do that sort of thing, you have to have a radical sense of self-belief, Dean. So how did you get from a young kid growing up to being the fittest man on the planet? (laughs) It it was a circuitous voyage, I'll put it that way. Um, You know, I I grew up in uh, Southern California and some of my earliest childhood recollections are running home from kindergarten. So I remember I just used to love to run. I loved the outdoors, loved everything about it. Uh, I kept running until I was in first form and I think call it first form in ninth grade in high school. So freshman in high school, and we won the, the league championships. And at 15, I decided that um, running was boring and I was going to stop running. So I hung up my running shoes and, you know, went, finished high school, went to uni and then went to graduate school and then went to business school, you know, and got a business degree, an MBA, and I had a very comfortable corporate job in San Francisco. And on the night of my 30th birthday, I was in a bar, you know, in a pub. 
dealing with a lot of people during her 30th birthday. And at midnight, I told my buddies I was leaving. You know, my mate said, where are you going? And, you know, let's have another round of tequila to celebrate. It's, it's, you know, it's your 30th birthday. And I said, no, I'm going to go run 30 miles to celebrate instead. And, th- and that's about 50 kilometers. And they looked at me and they said, but you're not a runner, you're drunk. <laughs> and I said, I am, but I'm still going to do it. And I'll never forget, I walked out of the pub. I didn't even own running gear, but I had on these comfortable silk underwear, these silk boxer shorts. So I, I peeled off my pants and threw them down the alleyway and just started stumbling off into the night, you know, heading south, knowing there was a town called Half Moon Bay that was 30 miles away yep. from San Francisco. And I said, just run there. And somehow, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you'd call it running. I kind of, you know, hobbled, crawled, <laughs> shuffled, but I made it. I ran all night. And the next day I, you know, I quit my job and said, I'm going to become a runner. And before you had that epiphany moment, when you were standing with your mates about to do another round of tequila, was there a process leading up to that? When you had already decided internally, did you wake up one morning and just go, I'm doing a 180 on my life? Like, was there a voice? Did you get a message? Like what? That's a pivotal moment. What preceded that evening? You know, what happened is my life became easy. Mm. Uh, Everything was kind of handed to me. Uh, There was no struggle. There was no challenge. uh, And I didn't like it. I remember running and I remember how running really was a confrontation with self. I mean, it really... Uh, it, it forced you to overcome, you know, your self-perceived limitations. And I wanted that intensity again in my life. I, I wanted struggle and I wanted pain and discomfort. And, you know, I was so comfortable. I was miserable. And I think it just percolated on my 30th birthday that, you know, I, I remember this woman started hitting on me and she was a friend of my wife and mine. I was married at the time and, and, wow. and she was married as well. And, you know, and, and she was attractive and I was drunk and I, and I started seeing this vision of myself, you know, being 50, turning 50 and being fat and bald and, you know, rich and driving a red sports car and, you know, I'm my third or fourth wife. And I thought that is not the person you are. Like that is not who you are. And that's not the path you want to follow in your life. And I think a lot of that just, it percolated to a, a boiling point. And, yeah. and that night that, you know, the lid blew off, if you will. Yeah, I think um, that's a really interesting point. I just want to touch on what I would call our inner GPS, a sense of values that run really deep. You know, most high achievers that we work with or that we know in life, even sportsmen, that expect, there's just this deep sense of conviction that supersedes comfort. It supersedes conformity. It supersedes the easy route. And do you, I mean, in my experience in working, most of the people I work with are all pioneers in their own right. And I think there's this particular DNA strand, which is um, an anti-average. And, and even if you wanted to be average, you can't because there's something that just keeps you going. And obviously running to kindergarten and then all of a sudden running away on your 30th birthday, having all these flash moments, was there something in your mind that you knew you wanted instead? Or was that not a moment then? It was just like, I just don't want that. So I'm just going to go running and I'll see where it takes me. I, you know, I knew that uh, putting on a suit every day and, and going to an office felt wholly unnatural to me. It, I just, I hated it. You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, you know, I had stock options. I had a company car, you know, I had a fat paycheck. <laughs> I had a 401k matching. I had all these things that, you know, are supposed to bring you contentment and happiness. And, and they just weren't, it wasn't doing it for me. There was something internally 
that was missing. And I think yeah. it was my connection to, you know, the outdoors and to struggle. And, yeah. you know, the kind of running I do is when you think of a runner, a lot of people think of, you know, a marathoner or someone on a track, you know, in, in, a, in a stadium. But the kind of running I do is sometimes hundreds of kilometers in the wilderness by yourself a lot of times. So it's a very different experience than, you know, typical running. It, it just makes me feel so alive. It's, it's yeah. like such a force in my life that I, I, yeah. I just long for it. Yeah. I think to anyone listening to this, um, you know, I've done a lot of adventure races, ones where you can't, you, you can only use maps and things. And, you know, I probably just turned up without training and that's really been a mistake, but it's a sense of adventure and self-sufficiency, this yearning to be able to rely on self, which is very much the, the pinnacle anchor to everything I coach, which is understanding how brilliant and capable and intelligent we are when we're really able to utilize all those faculties. But I do want to touch on something I think has gone out of our society at the moment. Um, and there is a big awakening for, as a man, the need to go and find yourself and be in nature and survive and be practical and use your skills and find yourself without distraction. So do you feel that running in nature, well, certainly for me, I'm definitely a tomboy, but I think it's not gender specific, the need to uh, cut out the white noise and tune into self only happens when you can be in those environments, which are, for the easy word, extreme, but they're readily available. Why do you think people are afraid to go out of their comfort zone and see what they're capable of? I think it's intimidating. I think that uh, the media certainly plays up, you know, going out into the wilderness is, is dangerous and risky, which it very much is not. Uh, I think that um, it moves you out of your comfort zone. I mean, I, I hate that cliche, but most people are more comfortable, you know, in their living room in front of a screen, uh, you know, uh, surfing the internet or looking through Twitter feed or whatever. That's easy uh, to get out uh, in nature on a trail and do something strenuous um, is not easy. And there's a certain subset of people that are drawn to that, me being one of them. Uh, I, I feel much more at ease and at home out, you know, on a wilderness trail by myself than I do in groups of people. Yeah. So I, I need that. Like I, I can't, I can't imagine being so detached from where we came from, which is being in nature. And I think, unfortunately, uh, so much of the Western world is just that. I mean, it, you know, here in America and also in Australia, there are people that that never get into nature. I mean, you know, they they go to their office, um, they get in their car, they come to their house. It's all man-made environments. And mm -hmm. I think that um, that deprives us of something very primordial and something essential inside us. Yeah. And I, I just want to touch on that as well is we do have the opportunities, but we've become a society on autopilot, right? And I, I just want to remind everyone that, Dean, you've been on the Today Show, David Letterman, Howard Stern, ESPN. So we've got this time together. And one of the promises we made a pinky promise before we start is they would, we would make this a radical episode where people will go, oh, I can't escape that fact. So we want you listening to this going, yeah, that does resonate. I do get in my car and go to work or even with COVID and lockdown, I'm actually not freeing my mind about the possibilities because one of the things that is bandied around is the word freedom and how everyone's lost their freedom. And I argue that that's not the case. I think that we're trapped in a mental cage which says we have to do things a certain way or go to restaurants or buy things and kind of consume before we create. And when you're adventure running and when you decide to um, 
you know, I would recommend that everyone take their pants off and strip down to their boxes on their 30th, but <laughs> I <laughs> wouldn't either. Yeah. Exactly. So not everyone's going to have a captivating, life-changing moment and nor should people wait till it's too late. But if you're listening to this and you haven't been out in nature and you haven't experienced self-sufficiency, I think it's worth asking yourself, what is the rate of return of staying in your comfort zone between taking a leap of faith? And the thing is, you might not know where it goes, but on this conversation with Dean today, we're going to talk a little bit about how struggle and personal perseverance and physical acuity is actually worth the risk. So what would you say is the one thing that you talk about when you go to schools, when you're on the Howard Stern show, when you're doing David Letterman, that you particularly want to leave behind for anyone in their audience, Ding? You know, that to embrace pain. I mean, life is, is struggle. Life is, a, is, is hurtful. Life is difficult. And, you know, I think a runner realizes that it's going to hurt. And I'll never forget one time coming home from a run and it was, uh, it was in the morning. My, my next door neighbor was out fetching up the newspaper in his, in his robe. And he said, you know, it doesn't running hurt. And I said, it does if you're doing it right. Yeah. So, you know, in, embrace the pain, welcome the pain and celebrate the pain and see pain as an obstacle to be overcome like any other obstacle. Yeah. And I think that's uh, why we sync so well. I always talk about the rally of life. Like you don't want everything perfect because then it's a false sense of security, right? Because it's like building towers on kicksand, but there's, there is a balance or a blend between healthy pain. So starting out on your journey, taking risks because pain and fear are the very reason why people don't start Ding. They think, oh, I'd love to do that, but, or I don't really, I don't want to risk getting injured or everything else. So Let's just talk about the fact that running is like a shuffle. If you build one step on another, it's like consistency and at your pace, right? So at your level, obviously you want to win. But our message today is if you haven't seen what you're capable of, then you're missing out entirely on your presence in this life. Yeah. And, and you know, quite honestly, I've, the desire to win is, is nothing I've really had. I mean, there, there, there is one race in, in my career that I wanted to win. And that, that was the sole purpose of, of entering that race. I did everything to try to win the race. And thankfully, I ran. But other than that, you know, the thousands of races I've done across the world, the only person I'm trying to beat is myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I say to myself on the starting line, you know, the, the only way you can fail today is if you don't perform to the best of your ability. And, and I think that's all we, any of us can do. I think a lot of people get intimidated about going to a race because they think that, they're going to get beat by so many other people that, yeah, that's going to be the case, but really it's only, it's you versus you. And, you, you know, you. yeah, that, that to me is the biggest takeaway I tell kids all the time as well as, you know, you, you may win, you may not, but what matters is that you have the courage to show up and the courage to do your best. Yep. A hundred percent. So on the back of that, let's just talk a little bit about training and life and I mean, your life now, because you've gone through all these accolades and we're talk- you're bringing out the book, which we'll talk about on the next podcast is- issue together. But whether it's a startup founder, whether it's a small business owner listening to this, whether it's someone that's just looking in the mirror going, I have completely lost my mojo. I've had three kids. Uh, I'm bored out of my brain. Um, this all sounds great, but it-, it doesn't have to be running, but it has to be something because there's a cellular recognition between physical movement and mental acuity. 
So for me, moving and outdoors and nature is my gym and everything is an essential ingredient to me showing up for everybody else. It is a, a co-requisite of me breathing oxygen. So what do you recommend for people when they just start out somewhere and they do feel intimidated because they're going to go and show up versus an indoor gym or trying an outdoor sport because we want to get people outside more often? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, uh, motion stirs emotion. So, you know, get out outdoors and um, I'll, I'll tell you what, for stress reduction, for just grounding yourself, um, being in nature is, is such a powerful way to do that, more so than anything else. I mean, I've, I've tried meditation. The only way I can, I can find my, my flow state is when I'm moving. So, you know, go for walks and, you know, don't, don't look at it as a chore. Look at it as something that is actually worthwhile in itself. And there you've hit the point. In today's society, exercise, movement, and everything else, we've become lazy and we see it as a chore rather than a privilege. And I believe that the art of movement and having choice and being able to see what your body capable of is a real privilege. But we seem to have turned something off where we use all the excuses that it's too hard, that it's easier to order Uber Eats or takeaways or go through drive through. Uh, When I was in America, I noticed as well, because I've spent a lot of time working there, that a lot of life revolved around eating next. And I was like, what do you mean? What? (laughs) There was a whole society that was based around consuming, whether it was television or things, everything else. So it's in the pandemic that we've been having, I've been hoping that part of the situation would be to realize that we have so much more available to us that maybe is free. And that is movement and connection to self to create a stronger society where people can have conscious decisions because they're thinking clearly, they're healthier, and they can have better conversations. And that conversation starts with yourself. So when you you don't want to run or you don't want to do anything or you come against people in a group training that are going, yeah, Dean, but how do you advise people get over what I call your ego is not your amigo? <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of um, misinformation and disinformation when it comes to to exercising. I mean, exercising is a healthy healthy thing to do. It's not, you know, a lot of people when you say, "Are you going to exercise? You're going to run?" The first reaction is, "Oh, isn't that bad for your knees? Isn't <laughs> that going to hurt your back?" I'm like, "Come on, you've been brainwashed in the wrong direction." So, mm-hmm. I think you know, exercise should be something that's approachable. You know your body, and how you learn about yourself is largely the movement of your body. So we all have a very good sense of our body and some of us respect our bodies. <laughs> As you, you know, referenced about America, I mean, most people don't respect their body here in America, unfortunately. And I, I mean, I saw some statistics recently that uh, I think two thirds of Americans are either obese, overweight or obese. And when you get to that point, it's, you know, you lose touch with your body. Uh, so to me, that that is like a a death a certain type of death when when you don't have control over your own body and you know you don't have you your physicality is just gone it's a long road to get back is the thing it's it it's not quick it you know it seems like it, you know it 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 took you a long time to get out of shape and you're expecting some sort of miracle to get back into shape uh, and that's not the case so i think that you know ultimately holding yourself accountable is the highest calling, but you know, some people need a coach or a cohort. And I totally encourage that. You know, there's yeah. great programs for that. There's a program called Couch to 5K, 
that I love. It basically just trains you how to get off the couch and, and run a 5K yeah. and in, in 10 weeks. And I like that structure for some people. Yeah. And I think that's the point. But the, before you even do that, you have to have a compelling why. So one of the big things I talk about at the moment is society's compelling need to opt out. You know, they will consume ideas and stories about success, but when it comes to getting off the sofa or putting their oxygen mask on first or taking the steps, there is an insidious programming where if it's too hard, then, you know, so we have to actually unlock a reason in our younger population and anyone listening to this to unlock your why, and you won't be able to be told by Dean or I. It'll be a defining moment that flips that nikiphony, as I call it, where you just can't sit in that space of your actual discomfort. And that will boost you out of that safe zone into putting those running shoes on, going for a walk, getting an accountability buddy, even if it's an iWatch. I mean, I'm against digital devices everywhere, but this iWatch, because I, like, I can talk to people while I'm running, like they can call me and I can do walk and talks. <laughs> so coaching while I'm running, it's like extra exercise. But whatever the tool is that will get you out the door and find an accountability buddy, but it will not work unless you want to. Why do you think we've opted out? Why do you think we're giving so much permission for today's society for people to go, oh, well, it's just like this now. That's just how people are. Whereas we're missing the point of how we could be. Yeah, it's almost become uh, you know, a, a pandemic in its own right. This. Mm-hmm allowing someone out, you know, these are hard times we're in. I think a lot of people, you know, just want to take it easy thinking, let's, let's be nice, you know, on ourselves. Let's be nice to others. And a lot of times being nice to someone else is saying, Hey, get off the couch. I do this to my kids all the time. And, you know, they say, we hate you, dad. (laughs) Ultimately they, they love, they, they love me and they're going to love me more as they get older. But, you know, sometimes it takes a little prodding and, and some necessary roughness, you know? Yeah. And let's talk about the camaraderie of sports. I've lived globally. Um, I broke my back in a school accident and then I got into triathlon and started studying PT. So I lived everywhere, but everywhere I lived, I would go and do triathlon. I'd race mountain bikes or I just would teach spinning. And I just, the camaraderie in sports like running or team sports, it's entry at any level, but the friendships you make and the motivation and the socialness behind sports is really, really special. And I think that's something to take away in your journey across everything else. You've made some amazing friends and some enriching stories. How would you say that camaraderie of this community of outdoor adventure, sports running, and a healthy mindset have helped you and your family through difficult times? Yeah, I mean, I think shared struggle brings people together. And, you know, when you run a marathon with someone, uh, even if you're racing against them, you know, at, at some point you're just both so beat up that you're, you're arm in arm and you're just cheering for your comrade, you know, to get to the finish line. So I think that, you know, taking on big, um, big adventures with someone else, uh, you know, brings you together. And, you know, I have total respect for anyone that's, that's running. I, I don't care what kind of shape you're in. If you're out there running, it, it's tough. You've chosen to do something yeah. that doesn't come easy. And I think that, encouraging other runners. Let's be geeky about it. You know, if you see another runner, roll down your window and yell encouraging things out the window to them. Yeah, I'm terrible. I high five people and they're like, what? (laughs) I mean, I don't care if you make fun of me. I'm going to encourage people to be healthy in any way I can because ultimately it's a gift. You know, I think that you're just, you, you have a fuller life, a richer life if you're healthy. Yeah. 
and that that brings us to um, you know w- what I want to talk about on the next episode when you tune in is is Dean and I are going to talk about this mythical runner's high, and we're actually going to tell you how you can achieve a runner's high by little things in your daily life on a cellular level that will have you feeling oxygenated, full of vitality, and with conviction for what you do. Like it's really addictive. So on the other side of endurance sports, there is the addiction side of endurance sports. It becomes an addicted environment because when you're racing against yourself in life, there's never a finish line. (laughs) How do you deal with this internal constant uh, need to move? Because for many people, I think that is the gap where they're like, oh, that just sounds exhausting because I don't find my peace. Whereas actually that gives you your peace. So how do you recalibrate when you're not running and, and everything else to just balance that constant movement out? You know, I've engineered my life for movement. Um, I'm 100% Greek. And, you know, the ancient Greeks, they believed in this idea of um, arete. So uh, the perfect alignment of mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gymnasium, the word gymnasium actually means school, the root word in Greek, because gymnasiums were actually places of, of not just physical exercise, but of learning, intellectual exercise. So as you can tell, even right now, I'm standing. I, yeah. I from the moment I get out of bed in the morning until the moment I crawl back under the covers at night, I, I don't sit down. Yep. So I'm, I never sit. I have a, an, uh, a gym here at my house. I have a home office with the gym. So I'm constantly doing this routine of HIIT training. It's about a 12 to 14 minute routine of you know, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, chair dips, burpees. And I do about five or six of those throughout the course of the day. Just like before this interview, I just banged out a set. Yeah. And I'll do, one, I'll do one afterwards. So my whole life is built around standing and, and movement. And I think that if you can engineer your life like that, it, it helps a lot because a lot of people have their office just set up with a big comfortable chair, you know, or a couch, and you just plop into that and, and, and it's hard to get back up. Well, I love that point. And now I know why Eric introduced us because I live exactly the same. I used to get a lot of criticism for my continuous energy, but it's actually because I'm in flow. So it doesn't take a lot of energy to have energy, if that makes sense. But if I'm not moving or I'm not near water, I have a little gym in my garage. So one of the things that I want to remind listeners and viewers is that if you're going to PT, if you're learning new sports, if you're picking up something new, hold that information in your hard drive. Create a scent of functional fitness that is agility, flexibility, strength, cardio, your heart as a muscle. You don't need to drive off somewhere to go and do it. You can do it in your own house. You know, you can, you can work out with your kids. But the difference is it's an integrated part of your life. It's not an add-on. It's not a bolt-on. It's not a bonus. It is part of how you run a healthy household and a healthy mindset. So what we'll do on the show notes is we'll put some little hit training sessions up of what you can do. And I know I can hear some of you now going, oh, no, but I have to wear whatever. I know what you look like on Zoom and some of you weren't even wearing pants the other day. So let's just be really <laughs> honest <laughs> because the, the why, the inspiration to design a life you love is so much more enriching than just going with the flow and making excuses for what you don't have. And so off the back of today, one of the things that I love about Dean because he practices what he preaches is not only his endurance for running and how you spread that ripple effect through everything you do, but you're giving back conviction as an influence. So you take that very seriously. So you've donated millions of dollars and raised millions of funds for charity. When did you decide what you were going to get behind and how did that now 
take place, that that can inspire other people, that if they need a reason why, they can run for a cause that's actually close to their heart. Yeah. And I think what you just said is so poignant that, you know, you need to find what is important to you to, as a cause to support. So, you know, I've chosen largely um, kids organizations because I think influencing kids to be healthy is something that's going to last their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And they're still, you know, they're, they're impressionable at that age. So I've done a lot with um, a couple of different organizations uh, that get kids outdoors and active. Uh, you know, just recently I was in Australia actually, and I did a, um, a 10 marathon and, and 10 day, uh, fundraiser for mental health. Uh, Australia is facing a, a, a real serious crisis with mental health, yeah. as yeah. you know, especially with younger kids and, you know, the, the Australian response to the pandemic has been, you know, some would say, uh, heavy handed. I see both sides. I mean, here in America, you know, we've, we've suffered almost a million deaths. Uh, Australia, you know, your per capita uh, death and hardship has been very, very low, but that's come at a cost with mental health. So I say, you know, pick a a charity that's important to you and tell everyone about it because that gives you some accountability. Yeah. If you've got a fundraising goal, then uh, then you're on the hook. And are there any ways that now we have Strata and and Apple Run and Swift and everything else? How would people connect with you, for example, if you're doing endurance race or a fun one for charity they really like that cause and they can you know they can start and map their runs out and join the crew because I think that sense of community to me it's global it's how I think are there ways that people can get on board with what you're doing and kind of you know log a run and be part of the the cause that you've created until they figure out their own um, core reason why yeah, I mean, you can just you just Google my name. Someone said if you Google Dean, I'm like the first Dean that comes up. Yeah, okay, we'll try <laughs> so, that. And, yeah, and I mean, I've got a website. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm certainly on social media. And, you know, to me, I, I really enjoy social media because to me, it's a place where I can try to inspire people mm-hmm. um, and energize people. To me, that's the highest calling is, you know, you, you can give someone a book about a training manual and and you can give them all the you know material about what they need to do. But until there's that internal motivation, that internal fire to do it, all that stuff is not worth much. So I've kind of taken the opposite um, approach and said, through your words, through your actions, through your examples, try to inspire people. Exactly. And yeah. you know, they, there's a lot of great material about, you know, like I said, a couch to 5k or running your first half or full marathon. Yeah. But, um, you know, getting people like you do, you know, with, with a pep talk and a, a pat on the back, that to me is very, very important. I think the one thing that I do is I don't do hope projects. So I say to people, uh, if you want to change, it's all here. And the availability through social media, like we would do is I reply personally to chats and questions and comments, but there's a certain distrust, which I often feel is used as an excuse. People go, oh, well, that's not you, or you don't really mean that. And I believe that we have to continue through this consistency to ignore those comments and provide genuine vision and support. And also firsthand experience, you know, I just started running again after three years and I, I, honestly, I thought I was going to die. And I just was, <laughs> I was laughing. My dog, she's 12. So she was waiting on the grass. So I was running past her for loops. And I think she was just like, this is like, maybe I need to call 911. But I loved that. Like I love, so I was on Instagram going, it doesn't really matter where you start and don't look at everybody that's an influence and think they've got it all figured out because the excitement is the journey. It's the all seasons, all conditions kind of suit up 
ready for action attitude that if that's what I could pour into cups and kind of hand out freely would be the sense of, okay, we're ready. What's today got in store? And if you can have that and you can water that side of the equation mentally rather than watering weeds, because neuroplasticity is the only way to retrain the brain, which gives you a different outcome in life. And I think that is exactly what you and I coach on is that you are in charge of the internal GPS as to how you take action in your life. And the first step is, is saying, yes, I matter. I th- you know, I think anyone listening to this has to feel that they matter, that they're significant and you need to put your oxygen mask on first. So you can't be here doing this show together for me until you've done your HIIT training, spent time with your kids today, done all your responsibilities and you could show up bright and shiny and ready for action. I'm sure that that's how you work. But a lot of people have never been taught that, Dean. You know, they don't know that feeling. Well, again, I think that it, to me, it starts with your body. It starts with movement because I know when I don't work out mentally, I don't feel nearly as, as healthy as I, as I do when I do work out. And I know it's, I get depressed, especially when I go for three or four days without, without exercise. And it just physical exercise turns it around. It, it, you know, you can play Jedi mind games on yourself all day long, but a, a brisk half an hour run just changes your attitude. Yeah. And it's and it's chemical. We know it's chemical. So yeah. yeah. And if you can't run walk, I'll put a couple of I'll put the four weeks to 5K PDF down uh, as well as some of the links that Dean's mentioned. So as always on the show, we're going to do three quick uh bullet point takeaways from uh the guest azure uh who we are so lucky to have today, uh surrounded by only partially all his awards because we probably need a garage to see them all. But Dean, if if anyone that was just saying, well, this is okay, but I live an average. What are three most important takeaways you want to give listeners, no matter what title you have, what age, wherever you're listening, we want you to remember these three things. So you do your three and then I'll do my three takeaways so we can hopefully seed in uh, one or two things that will really make a profound effect for someone listening today. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the idea of uh, motion stirs emotion is, um, is a takeaway. I think the other idea of uh, you don't have to beat the guy next to you. You just have to beat yourself. So being the best that you can be is what's most important. And I think the third takeaway is um, clean up your diet. (laughs) (laughs) I say, if I can't pick it from a tree, dig it from the earth or catch it with my hands, I don't eat it. So get away from things that are uh, processed, refined and in a bag. Yeah, exactly. And so my three would be off the back of those three fantastic fundamentals would be start. Uh, don't wait for perfect walk, just get out the door. I always say 1% rule. So 1% is 15 minutes, 14.4 minutes of the day. If you do 1% of your day with whatever you want to focus on, you'll be 100% better off in 100 days. So if you walk for 14 minutes every day, you'll be 100% better off when you are today and you start running. And if you go 14 to 15 minutes out, that's half an hour in total on the way back. Secondly is find your tribe. There are chances are so many other like-minded people out there. Everybody that I know in sports has all started and had different levels and abilities and is so welcoming. Uh, There is an amazing community, whether it's running, endurance, outdoors, F45, but there's a whole family out there waiting for you to come join them and to give you the accountability, the fun, the encouragement and the community that maybe you've been missing this whole time. And lastly, I would say nobody else has the remote on your life. You must get up and change it yourself. Um, If you hear yourself saying, yes, but 
be aware of your subconscious patterns and programming, swipe left on your ego, which mine is called Bob, or just decide to leave that there, recognize that for what it is, and then choose your next thought. Because this podcast today is to remind you to get in the driver's seat of your life. It's never too late. You're never too old. It's never too far past it. A whole world awaits. And you've got two very dedicated people here that are available for you wherever you want to reach us to help put you in the right step in the right direction to take charge and feel vitality because radical self-belief is an inside job. And that's something we all want to see you have if you're listening today. Uh, You don't necessarily have to be the most fittest man on the planet, um, (laughs) but we want you to feel like your very best fittest self. So Dean, thank you so much. You have run across the Sahara Desert. You've inspired us in Australia. You've celebrated uh, endurance athletes, philanthropists, and other people just as much as they celebrate you. And I think you have raced and competed in seven different continents, if I believe, across our planet Earth. Um, I just want to do an interview with you about all the wildlife you've seen. Um, <laughs> you like the running David Attenborough. But I will put all the links for Dean on the show. Um, it is ultramarathon.com. You can find him anywhere. Just Google Dean and he'll pop up. I will also put the links for some really great ways you can start moving without excuses. And I'll also link you to some helpful tips on finding your why and a free webinar on defining your vital ingredients. Because when you get that magic right, it's the day-to-day things that make up an incredible week, masterful months and amazing years. And that's really what we want you to have. So you can be winning medals in your day, a dynamic, engaging and inspiring Dean Knezes. Thank you so much. Your achievements and accomplishments have made you nothing but more humble and inclusive. So thank you for the show. Uh, is there one last mantra that you'd love to share as we part today's episode? I guess uh, is a quote of mine. It's um, run when you can, walk if you have to, crawl if you must, just never give up. There you go. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast, YouTube Vitality Coach TV. I'm your host, Nikki Fogdemore, bringing you radically real stories on how you can shift out of autopilot and into the driver's seat of your life. We're here for no excuses. We're here to give you everything you need. Like, subscribe, comment below. And most importantly, I wish you a radical day wherever you are and life is up to you. So I hope we've inspired you. Tune in and we'll see you next time on the Mojo Maker podcast. Thank you, Dean. Well, thank you so much for joining, listening and engaging in radical self-belief, the Mojo Maker podcast. Drop me a like, share and subscribe to Nikki Fogdemore on YouTube as well as across all the podcast channels and my website, nikkifogdemore.com for Monday Mojo exclusive emails from me each week. And don't forget to use the code podcast10 for 10% off any of my books when you shop online at nikkifogdemore.com. Until next time, you stay healthy, wealthy, and wise. And remember, you are in the driver's seat of life.